This is the ERP Advisor. Today's episode, executing a successful migration from legacy ERP to the cloud. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for today's webinar, Executing Successful Migration from Legacy ERP to the Cloud. Sean Wendell is one of our speakers for today. Sean is the founder and managing principal of ERP Advisors Group based in Denver, Colorado. Sean has over 25 years of experience in the enterprise software industry, helping hundreds of clients across many industries with selecting and implementing a wide variety of enterprise solutions. His podcast, The ERP Advisor, has dozens of episodes with thousands of downloads and is featured on prominent podcast platforms such as Apple and Spotify. CJ Bogoshevsky is our guest joining us today. CJ, as the Vice President of Partner Strategy and Program, CJ manages Acumatica's entire partner program, from new partner acquisition through partner enablement, excuse me, to the strategic numeration of Acumatica's growth strategies. His career and technology spans decades, and he has worked with companies in various stages of growth, leading the way through three IPOs and seven company exits by acquisition or merger. CJ is multilingual and significantly skilled in building lines of business products and system architectures. His broad vertical industry and experience has established a proven track record of innovation, value realization, and digital transformation. Prior to Acumatica, CJ served as head of partners and ecosystem for ARM's non-semiconductor line of business. That's a mouthful, CJ. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) You got my name. You got my name right, which is pretty okay, good. Okay, you know. good. <laughs> and CJ helped the company acquire nearly 100 new partners during this tenure. On today's call, Sean and CJ will discuss the advancement and wide-scale offering of cloud ERP and will help assist legacy software users in confronting their ERP migrations to the cloud. CJ and Sean, thank you so much for joining me today. Pleasure is all mine. Yeah, well, welcome. So CJ, I think I'm going to start off with you. Um, yeah, as our guest, thank you. Um, so transitioning from legacy platform to cloud ERP is a huge undertaking and quite, and can be quite intimidating to say the least. Um, what can a business do to help make that decision to upgrade and how do they know when it's time? Can you talk to us a little bit about that from your experience? Sure. Sure. And, and thank you, Juliet, for, um, Teeing it up so nicely for us. Um, in, in terms of your question, I, I tend to think of the market a little bit it, as where it is in its evolution for the companies who are considering this switch, right? There are some companies who are relatively small when they start out and are growing quickly. And when they start bursting out of those sort of, if you like, starter ERP kits and mm-hmm. arrive at a place where they're looking at a mid-market ERP, such as ourselves, that's kind of a different conversation than the conversation of a, a legacy ERP that maybe was relevant in the mid-market some time ago, and now either the platform is burning and they have to jump somewhere, or they're really just looking for the efficiency gains and or the business enablements that a full ERP platform could provide, right? And they're not quite ready to digest, uh, let's call it the elephants of the tier one, right? So so, so you get into this place where um, you're looking at um, different folks who are in different places in their evolution, And one of the things that you have to really consider is, A, is the technology that you're moving to uh, the the most modern that it can be? B, does it have a plan to stay modern? Because let's face it, switching ERPs is kind of like considering open heart surgery. 
while the mm-hmm. patient's still walking down the hall. Not something to be tried mm-hmm. twice, really, right? right. So um, you want to get that decision right, and you want to be able to stay as current as possible because we all know technology evolves and evolves quickly. And one of the things that you need to do as you consider the stage of the business that you're at is, is this going to enable me to go the next 15, 20 years with this same ticker in my chest? Right, right, right. Sean, from your experience, do you have anything that you could add to that? Um, yeah, the you don't <laughs> want to go through the heart surgery again. That's um, right. You know, so, we talk about flying in an airplane and changing out a jet while you're in the air. Um, it's, it's tough stuff. I mean, at, at the end of the day, um, it's hard and, and there is a reason why organizations have to do it. We talk a lot about that and there's some great solutions. You guys offer one of them for sure, CJ. So it's, it's really about like understanding, are there real, no kidding benefits or not? And it's so easy for organizations to say, Oh, we got to change, you know, let's go through a process and buy software. And then they get to the implementation and it's so hard to devote the resources. Sure. And that's, but I'm not talking about money. That's, that's, that's tough, especially if yeah. budgets go over, right. but it's really about key people that um, understand the business. And especially if you're in a legacy system where the system's been in place for a very, very long time, hopefully we have some people around that understand why the system was set up that way in the first place. Sometimes we don't. Um, But uh, just got off a call right before this meeting where folks have been using systems in a certain way for 20 years, 15 years, and then they're changing. And they're asking questions like, well, why aren't I going to get the new shipping method that we talked about during the sales process? Well, first off, it's all manual today. And yes, we did demo all of this really amazing stuff. But, you know, to go from here to here is a very, very, very tough leap. Maybe we go from here to here, especially coming off of a legacy solution. Um, that I think at the end of the day is the thing that I wish everybody understood was this concept of gradients that to go from, we've been on, I don't care what it is, GP, SL, old SAP, old Oracle, you know, probably not old Acumatica because you haven't been around, but we've had some clients old, whatever it is. Right. And and now we want to go to digital transformation day one. It's not going to work. And and anybody who's selling that, you don't want to trust them. Right. You really do want to talk to people that can say, look, we understand where you're really at. We understand where you want to go. And here's the steps to get there. That might not even be what you want to hear, frankly. But, you know, understanding those steps, making them really achievable is the secret between success and failure. Um, If you go for this big step, especially if you've been in your app for a very long time, you're really expecting almost a miracle. And guess what? In ERP, miracles rarely, rarely, rarely happen. They do sometimes, don't get me wrong. But, you know, usually uh, like another one today, oh, the lead architect is sick and he's out for like 10 days. Gals get sick, fine, right? Or the software vendor has a change or whatever it is, right? And things happen. So, you know, I, it's why we really always say, let's go for that really achievable ideal yeah. scene. What can we really get to and then go from there on the gradient? So important. It, it's interesting what you say, Sean, if I might just add to what you're saying there. A lot of times what we talk about within Acumatica when we're talking about enabling partners to go on this journey with their customers in ERP, we talk about this phrase, kettles, not oceans. 
Some are easier to boil, right? And so what you want to do is it, essentially it ca capture and crystallize the value in each one of the kettles that you intend to go and boil and avoid the, the talk of, hey, let's do all the ocean at the same time. Because in the end, that thing's not really ever going to boil. The watch pot never boils. Well, certainly the ocean never does. So yeah. in the end, what, what we end up with is the thing that motivates people is knowing that the kettle has a finite set of things that it needs to do in order to get to the boiling point. And there's crystallized value that is kind of a container in which it's being boiled, right? So all of a sudden you go from employees kind of dreading this long, painful uh, process, which as you say, can seem interminable into this, oh, if we just get this chart of account stuff migrated over and leave the legacy migration of the data mm -hmm. for a later phase and leave mm -hmm. our old ERP vestigial in case the auditors come, boy, we've really got the value now. Uh, and we can work on creating the incremental value in a later phase, right? So, so we talk a lot about that as well. Yeah. Well, with that, let me ask you, if a company isn't ready and willing to confront transitioning or upgrading to um, a newer ERP, um, what are the pitfalls if they were to stay on their legacy platform that you've seen? CJ, that's too hard for me, man. That's all you <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, uh, I, I hate to use the the, the phrase uh, that, that is uh, a well-worn phrase. Actually, it's one that my, my mother used to say, which is um, the, the Stone Age didn't end because we ran out of rocks. Um, yeah, there, there are bigger and better things that are happening in technology that allow business to be executed better, faster, and cheaper, specifically when you get into industries who have very specific needs and requirements, right? Available to promise for commerce that is done online and what business isn't online after the pandemic. Uh, that availability to promise requires an inventory set and a, a linkage to an ERP system that many who are in the past just can't provide. And so, you end up in this place where if you stick with what you know and you keep on sticking with it um, and you ignore the benefits that a cloud relatively always current ERP could provide you, you end up in a place where you're just kind of hoping the rocks don't run out. Um, and that's really going to hurt your business more uh, than even just in the intended and measured ways that you might think of it, right? So think of what it does to employee morale to have to use an old system. Think of what it does to every time there is a need for a particular piece of functionality to be implemented, uh, a, a, a painful project that's accretive to the old system gets plugged in, knowing that eventually you're going to replace the ERP and throw it away. So, so you end up in this place where, do you want to be a great place to work? Do you want to do business in a modern fashion? Do you want to capture some of these benefits that a modern ERP platform provides? And by the way, alleviate some of the pain that working with the old stuff for the next couple of years is going to cause you. Right, right. Well, we've talked about this um, on other calls, Sean, I believe, where um, companies or organizations resist it, and then sometimes their hand is forced, and they have no choice but to upgrade. Like, wouldn't you rather have, you know, like make that choice on your own rather than having to do it, right? Right. It's, it's such a great point. Um, uh, again, thinking, I always try to give examples of what's real, right? And we had a client right now, we have one that uh, we had helped through um, sort of a needs analysis, should they switch or not? What were their real pain points? And when we came back, um, it was it was extremely obvious they needed to do something to them, to us. And that's why they hired us. But when we start looking at the monetization of uh, pain points, um, the amount of labor, the amount of manual work, the amount of errors, the amount of risk, 
the amount of potential fraud opportunities. What happens if that one guy who knows the app really does retire like he's talking about doing and suggested 10 years ago he wanted to do, but now he's got his RV out front. And when he drives into the office in the morning, he's in his RV. (laughs) Maybe not that far, but pretty close, right? You know, these folks that have been around for a while that have developed this, they're ready for, they're ready to go. So, yeah, so we, it's like, okay, great, let's do it, right? Then go into selection and then the economy changes. Um, and their particular business did get a little impacted here in the last year. And so they put it on hold. All those issues are still there mm-hmm. and they know it. And and it's a bit of a ticking time bomb. And um, it's a risk. It's it's a risk. I worked with a, a business years ago that that was one of the, it's, I love that when, oh, we're the biggest customer on this software solution. I'm like, you never want to be the biggest customer on that software ever. You are the one who's paying for all the development and all of the risk. And when they migrate to the cloud and it doesn't work, the one who's really going to feel it is you. So we had that uh, particular situation several years ago, but they wrote it out with the software and then sold, right? They sold the private equity and guess who's going to have to clean up the mess. So it's the mess doesn't go away. You can't sweep an old ERP under the carpet. We should have a little thing on that. Um, You know, you can, but it's like having an elephant under the carpet. It's still there, right? So I think, I think, like CJ said, you know, some of those reasons are spot on, um, and you just gotta like look at it objectively. And there's a time, there's a season for it. We have other clients that we've worked with where we've said, do not change. You need to change, but don't do it now because it'll be a failure. And and I would say more times than not, what it comes back to, again, it's not money. It's rarely, rarely. In one particular case, we had a client whose profitability had been going down. um, And they had a new CFO, probably to help with that problem. And he said, I want new software, brought us in. And we said, you don't get it yet, right? The business has to perform at a, at a, at a higher level to just have free cash flow available to do everything else and an ERP. So sometimes it's that, but very, very rarely is it about not the additional or the um, adequate funds, especially now. There's still a lot of liquidity out there. People are sitting on a lot of cash. Um, and it's not even that we couldn't find software that didn't meet the requirements. They're out there, right? Acumatic is a great solution. There's other solutions out there that have bolt-ons. They've got customizations, capability. We don't really talk about it, but you're going to do it a little. So you need a platform that can support having custom fields, custom tables. It's okay. We're not going to (laughs) die. So the apps are there. The technology platforms are there. The implementation partners are usually there as well, who really do have micro vertical specific experience, meaning not just distribution, but they've worked with food distribution, right? Or they've worked with electronics distribution or whatever it is. It really is the team's ability and willingness to accept the responsibility for the project. And it's not about change management and, oh, we got to do the OCM and the this and that. Uh-uh. It's that there's people at the top that know what they're getting into. And there's these key people. And it's a handful of people that are willing to put the time into making the project go right. You know, we talk about bonuses for people because they're going to put more time into the project. We talk about, you know, escalating their positions later, you know, moving them up the, the ladder after the project. Like there's benefit in doing that. But without those things in place on the client side, I I just it's just it's just really risky. Now the good news is 
is even those are are we can handle those barriers. They're they're not insurmountable. We can get through those. We help out. Um, I think the partners help out. I think there's lots of, of people. Usually, it's amazing to me with the organizations that we work with that there are key people. Uh, thinking of a nonprofit there in Denver that we worked with. I'm in Florida still. There's the Florida mm-hmm. map. Um, thank you. Dang. Um, anyway, it's getting hot. <laughs> Sorry, Juliet. Um, yeah. But uh, <laughs> rub it in, rub it in. I know, I know. But but that we had one great client in Denver, and and there was a project manager who just was like, you know, no one else is doing this, and I'm going to jump in. And we worked a lot with her, and I mean, she's great. She's she's really moved up in the organization, taking on a lot more responsibility. So, you know, I think I think as an executive. Um, I'd be curious to hear what you think, CJ, from your experience too, yeah. that when you look at a client who's going about to go through this experience, regardless of industry, right? Can you find that executive and that team of people that are like, we're all in? Like, maybe have you seen that before? Yeah, look, uh, you know, it, it's no secret that uh, if you want something done, done, you find a busy person. And so finding that hero in the business who the executive sponsor can lean on to make sure stuff gets done and gets done in in a very conscientious way is one of the keys to unlocking the value in these projects, right? Tidy ring fencing around scope helps, of course, but when push comes to shove, there's going to be a mess and somebody's got to be there to do it. And so if you can find that hero and get that hero somehow fully engaged, as you said, you know, carrots are a a useful tool in terms of uh, incentives. uh, that, That is certainly something that we see as one of the things that increases the success probability of a project. And, you know, we work, we work across our ecosystem of several hundred partners who all manage those customers for us. I don't know if everybody on the podcast knows this, but Acumatica is 100% partner driven. We don't deal with any customers directly. We don't have a single salesperson on our staff. So that has a drawback of, of course, I don't necessarily interact with customers directly, but boy, I see a heck of a lot more salespeople than most people who do because I've got 300 partners with them. So you know, what we hear from them over and over as they talk about creating that value crystallization for the kettles that we want to boil is finding the key people who are actually going to be the ones who make sure the heat stays on those kettles. Yeah. So with CJ, with that, can you talk to us a little bit about um, what options do companies have when it comes to their legacy ERP, whether Mm -hmm. it's remaining on the project, do they upgrade or do Mm -hmm. they just find a whole new, um, completely different solution? Um, Great, great question. Almost every uh, Acumatica customer is coming from another ERP and we have more than 10,000. And so what I would say is 95 plus percent are coming from either a legacy or a a competitor gone bad. And one of the things um, that I think draws people to that decision point uh, is really, uh, I feel like the thing that I have, I can't incrementally do anything further, whether it's a deprioritization of investment of the publisher of that software, or the fact that the technology is just simply not up to snuff, or the fact that it's architected in such a way that the way my business has grown, I can no longer um, fit this 25 pounds of stuff in this five pound bag, right? So, so you get to this place where uh, it, it becomes painfully evident that uh, you need to get to a different place. And so the, the time arrives where they start to consider, okay, what are the, what are the vectors on which I'm going to choose, right? Of course, price is one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my business works in a, in a certain way. Does it make sense to have to name the users or does it make sense to, you know, 
worry about how much uh, resource I'm consuming as I run this platform, like most other modern systems. And I think that's an important piece of the puzzle as well, right? I think um, folks sometimes don't realize what the cloud has given ERP is this opportunity to break free of user-based licensing, which in most historical products, including some of the smaller ones that are those five-pound bags, has really been a breaker on ERP adoption across the various departments in a company. And as I said, as companies scale up and they get departments, what you don't want is to have to either share the license or, you know, even more horrifically, um, not let people into the ERP itself and force them through these sort of rat holes into contributing to that resource across the entire company. So, so one of the things I think that people think about when they come to this decision point is, is this going to get me to a place where I don't have to do this heart surgery again, right? Mm -hmm. What is the platform? What, what is the level of customization or specific uh, micro vertical specialty stuff that I need in here? And how can I accommodate that while still keeping my technology current and having a, a vendor who has both a clear R&D investment and roadmap and a path to keep me uh, as modernized as I can be? Last point I would make, of course, is most, if not all, legacy products are uh, either on-premise based or in a data center, essentially beholden to IT, right? That's and that, right. That, that beholdenness to IT actually puts you in a place where it offered you a sense of security over the past 15, 25 years uh, it, when you were running your uh, enterprise estate, right? But mm -hmm. what's happened now is security threats, um, the ability of that staff to keep up with all of the estates and all of the nuances of that estate has dwindled over time. And, and God love them. I love CIOs. I love IT folks. I think they're great people. They work hard. But boy, it's become really, really overwhelming. So one of the things the cloud does is release them from a lot of the menial tasks. Of, do we have enough storage? Do we have enough compute horsepower? And lets them really focus in on how do these systems connect and how do I deliver value to the business? And I think that liberation of the cloud coming to ERP for mm -hmm. folks who have been locked in a premise solution for a long time is actually quite refreshing. So I think that's another vector that if you paint the decision accurately as they reach the decision point, becomes a, a thing in favor of replacing the system. Yeah. Sean, anything to add from your experience? What a company that was great. has done? Yeah. I'm just, again, thinking from specific experiences, um, um, you know, the, the switch to the cloud is is really interesting. That does drive some of this. Okay, we're on the legacy solution. Uh, one of our clients had a data center, a data room, well, a data closet with, you know, some sprinklers, right? Yeah, and stuff like that, right? Yeah. And and they knew it. And that's why they they called us up and said, Hey, we're not sure what to do here. And and um so, you know, that's real. That's very, very real for organizations, nonprofits, government agencies, for-profit, public, it doesn't matter, right? Um, that there is a technology reason why they just got to get out of doing what they're doing now. The risk is so significant. It takes one little thing and whoop, the business shuts down, right? So that's pretty real. Um, I, I do think um, if if you think about, um organization changes and i've seen that in my you know short career of 25 whatever years mm -hmm. that the speed of change that our customers go through today versus when i started thankfully now i was in 
telecommunications cobalt development in uh, mainframe systems with uh, customer care billing back in the day. Um, yeah, it's good stuff, man. Good stuff. I, I did it in energy and utilities uh, for a company that got bought by a bigger company. I understand. Exactly. There you go. There you go. It's sorry, good stuff. Exactly. Right, man. It's a great foundation. Um, but but you look at the speed of change that that all of our clients are going through. We have a client right now that went from uh, 10 million and they said, yeah, we've had some pretty good growth. You know, after the last three years, we're at about 120 million. And I'm like, what did you just say? Well, I mean, we just got bigger projects. And I'm like, yeah, but you got a lot more material. You got a lot more labor. You got a lot more people. Well, not really. You know, it's only we went from 50 to 100 people. And I said, OK, where's the people? Well, we have more subcontractors now than we've ever. OK, right. Uh-huh. So there's more AP. There's more matching. There's all kinds of stuff. And billing gets more complex and everything. Back it up. Yeah, right. 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 <laughs> so the complexities just grow and the business models change. And um, the paradigm of the software that we did implement in the 80s and 90s was not about change. We used to say back at uh, JD Edwards, you know, ERP is a little bit like cement, that it's it's pretty movable and formable while it's wet. But right. then once you go live, man, you have to take a jackhammer to break that up, right? And I do think some of the the newer applications, they're architected for that change. And that's very important. We have a client right now that it keeps saying like, look, the way we do procure to pay today is not how we're going to do it um, in a year because we have these clients that are demanding these other changes. And so, you know, from our perspective as the advisor, it's like, well... You know, we probably need to think about how we do that then in an app. And we need to really look at the flexibility as sort of an overriding pillar of a solution that we go towards. And those do tend to be more cloud-based solutions for sure. We've recommended on-prem and have no problem with that. If the customer has the IT resources available, understands what's going on. But we've had a lot of customers that have had their networks um, infiltrated, you know, all, all we have to do is think about our no before conversations, That's Juliet, right. one of the security vendors we work with CJ and he, uh, the guy always has crazy stories. That well, I'm all and the attack vectors are so, uh, you know, it's an N, N minus one over two problem in many respects, right? It's just non-tractable. So putting the ERP and all of the business's core requirements exposed to God knows a test server's password being password one, and then allowing that to be the pen that allows them to get all of the chart of accounts. And it's just a, a difficult, difficult thing to communicate to somebody unless they've gone through it. But boy, is it critical. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Um, how can a client prepare for a success, successful migration and the implementation to a cloud ERP once they make that choice? Sean, do you want to start us off with that? Sure. Yeah. Data. Data. That's it. I'm not going to say anything more. Data. Please. And we've done many calls on data <laughs> and how important data many, is. Right? Many, many calls today yeah. on data yeah. problems and how big yeah. data really was because data is always bigger than you think it is. It's it's right. like a house project. It's like college for your kid. It's like, you know, your spouse wants you to do something, just 10X it because it's going to be more complex. So the sooner you start on that that migration um, on the data side, the better, for sure. And if that's on-prem or cloud, I, I mean, it's really either for sure. But I don't even know what you said. But when you said, what's the first thing? I just say data. Yes. Yeah. I've been whipped and beaten into believe that because it's true. Um, but But it is true that 
you know, when you're going to a cloud environment, if you've been on an on-prem environment, I mean, you may be in an AS400 environment. So the data structures are more file-based, right? The data is in a file. It's not in a table. So the first question is, oh, well, who can pull our customer list? Oh, we run a report out of the app and we can just use the report. Well, does it have everything in it? Well, no, it just has the key fields we need. Who's we? Well, uh, sales. Okay. But what about shipping? Oh, yeah, they have a separate database over here that they keep the second ship to or whatever to. Oh, boy. Uh, We're in a client right now that's like that. They're on an AS400 system here. They're in SAP in Europe. And there's all kinds of spreadsheets, access databases and stuff sitting around. So fortunately, we're starting this data journey together early so we can start forming, you know, really master data at a whole different level than what's in the systems today. So what we find usually with a legacy on-prem customer is that their data has not been cleaned up ever, maybe once, like in 1980, you know, whatever. Um, and now, you know, now everybody's super focused on the front end of the, the GUI, the graphical user interface of the app and the functionality and the automation. It's amazing, right? I mean, you got to get the undercut of the data right, too. So that's the first thing I think of. Yeah. They would yeah. have to, like... D- in that case, Sean, would they determine whether to keep all the data or or the most recent if it's it goes that far back? Like, what have you seen with that? Yeah, or both, right? Both. So, so you know, hopefully, the legacy systems usually you can keep them for free if they're on prem. Don't right. pay for support anymore, right? There's Make like sure there's payments, maybe, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, maybe yeah. minimum support, yeah. maybe you know, cut it back or whatever, so that a person or two has access to that legacy system. There's there, there's extreme solutions here for data migration, and I'm going to cover these super fast. <laughs> One extreme is that, right? Just yeah. leave all your historic. Well, Don't let me put, yeah. reel back. Right. Open transactions, master data. Um, and maybe some trial balances usually come over, right? You've got to have open transactions. Well, we'll we'll cut all the checks out of AP and stick the checks in a drawer so we don't have to bring over AP. Okay, fine, right? Well, you got customer invoices sitting out there that haven't been paid. The new system needs to know about that. It rolls up in accounting to the AR number, blah, blah, blah. You got to bring over your ending balance, um, your trial balance in your old system, your beginning balances in your new systems. If you're going to do sales, you got to have contacts, right? Much less your customers and vendors, et cetera. There's a certain amount of data you got to do, right? Now, what do we do with the rest of it? And that's the question I'm answering. One extreme is leave it all in the old system, right? The other extreme is bring everything over. The only time in, I don't know, what, since 2003, what is that? That's like 20 years of recent <laughs> that I've Go seen. Fast. Yeah, I've seen a person bring over every single transaction for um, seven years. It was a startup. Um, and they ended up going public. Then they went private. I, I, they've done a lot of growth. That person um, got let go. But then they went and joined the uh, the application vendor who did the implementation because <laughs> they got to know it so well through doing all the data migration. So that's that's not you're not going to bring over all the transactions, right. you know. Right. And you know maybe you bring over like some historical trial balances, not just the opening but or the ending in the old system, but maybe some, right? right. Maybe we do have to bring over some sales. For this year, we implement in July. We want to bring over the sales transactions. It's just harder and harder and harder when you're bringing over more and more transactions because ERP 
is a little bit like, um, uh, it's not even like a Rubik's cube. It's just extremely structured, extremely structured on purpose because you're actually getting a lot of internal controls in an ERP when you buy one. It's one of the reasons why you get it. So if you put in uh, a sales order, well, sales order isn't doesn't impact accounting. So when you want to do revenue, you can't do revenue reporting off a sales order. You have to do it off of an invoice or in some businesses, cash received, right? Mm -hmm. So if you put in an invoice, well, then you might have to put in the sales order. You might have to put in the product that was sold uh, or the service. You might have to put, you will have to have the customer and you'll have to put in the terms. There's all these things that just just exponentially grow when you put in one type of record. So just be careful with that. Yeah. Um, CJ, let me ask you, um, from where you sit and from your experience, what are the biggest concerns Acumatica sees when clients migrate from a legacy system to the cloud? Yeah. And, and you know, it goes uh, a little bit back there to what Sean is saying about mm-hmm. data. It, that, that sort of uh, tidy ring fencing that allows a chart of accounts that Acumatica needs as the basis for what it does to operate while keeping uh, whatever the data they think they'll need for folks like the auditors, right? So leave right. that stuff like uh, your gallbladder, just kind of leave it in there, even though it doesn't really perform a function, right? right? But you know, in the end, if the auditor comes and got the data, leave it vestigial if you can. And a lot of times folks who are outgrowing some of what we would call the uh, pre-mid-market ERPs have very unstructured Excel-like data, right? Mm-hmm. So you're in this world of, geez, they don't even understand necessarily the notion of chart accounts or even what the notion of a document means in an ERP and all of the things that are driven off of a document structure. So, so you end up in a place where does it make sense to do the education along with the migration or does it make sense to do the minimum of migration and really kind of start them fresh with as much as you can in the new system and help them learn how that impacts their business and make the business changes on the back of the efficiency that the ERP offers when it's done, uh, if you like, in the most canonical way, as opposed to the most accommodating way to try to bring everything across from the historical. Because, you know, you, you, you always have this wrestling match of how much do we need to twist and turn what the new system is going to do so that it looks like what the folks here are accustomed to? Or do we need the folks who are accustomed to a certain thing to learn to do it slightly differently, slightly more efficiently, slightly better? Right. So so that change management piece of the puzzle with the, the people identifying that hero who knows how to keep the fire under the kettle and help them make it through that journey in a way that doesn't start them throwing rocks at what the new thing's going to be when it's live because it doesn't do all the stuff it used to do or I don't like the way it makes me have to work. Uh, you know, that's a, an important piece to consider. And oftentimes what we see post go live is the usage level of the system and the adoption across the different teams is directly related to that question being implemented correctly at the project phase, right? So as they come up from a a smaller system and gain sophistication and have things like interdepartment communication as opposed to the five guys who used to run the warehouse, that's a really important piece of the puzzle we find. Um, The the other piece, I think, and I think Sean was saying it pretty articulately there, right? Where, um, you know, you end up in a, in a world where only a few people remember how it used to be and nobody really understands the why anymore. And so we're all just trying to live with whatever the result of that why was. That's a real opportunity to sort of transform a little bit how the business works. And the outside pressure of the world, by the way, is only ever going in one direction. It's only ever increasing, right? Businesses are, are very rarely in a niche 
that stays out of the wind for as long as they have. The 20th century was pretty good for businesses. The 21st century is far more disruptive and disrupted far more quickly than it used to be. And that's only going to accelerate. And the way to accommodate that, we think, is you, you get the right platform in place, which, you know, we, we talked a little bit about the ability to change it up to allow that accommodation. I would actually point to flexibility as an important piece of the puzzle, right, going forward, but also um, extensibility. So how, how much more can I put into this? And does the ERP system have to do everything or do I have a, a, an ecosystem of folks who can plug into that platform and actually do it in conjunction with and in harmony with uh, the existing thing that's in place, right? All, oftentimes what you're pointing to there, Sean, is folks who in the sales team on the AS400 knew this, and then we had to add in these other things from these other departments, and we all have different keys, and it's not an RDBMS. Well, in the modern EMP, what that means is if you're extensible with partners who work according to the standards of the platform, hopefully you don't end up in that place, right? And the mm -hmm. other piece is scalability, because we know we know that businesses are uh, going to succeed at varying rates. And what you don't want to do is when the time comes, uh, have to do another swap out if they're growing really quickly, right? So you want, and that's sort of what cloud architecture gives you is the ability to scale up and scale down, you know, within reason, I like to say, right? Sort of the, the five to 250 million size revenue business can kind of scale up or scale down its cloud resources according to how it's doing, um, and, and what kinds of things it needs to keep doing in order to achieve its goals. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, those, those, those extensibility and scalability pieces are also what I would say are very important. Yeah. yeah CJ and, and Juliet, I, I do think there's a really, really, really important theme I want to make sure to drive home with everybody who's listening. If you've fallen asleep, wake up. <laughs> if you're on your treadmill, slow down. Though you listen right. to this thing later. Maybe you are now. I don't know. Yeah. But you just said something that I, 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 you know, I'm really trying to pass my hat as much as I can to everybody in the business right now. I've been doing this for so freaking long. It's like, okay, <laughs> other people can do this. I should have been doing it earlier, but it's good. It's really good. And I'm seeing all these little nuggets, these little like like golden threads that I'm like, oh, I probably should have told people that, right? A lot of the times when we're shortlisting vendors for a selection, any industry, um, I I just intuitively know software platforms. I, I've developed in them. I've I was right. a product manager. I've been around them forever, right? And and I think it's frankly it's a reason why we like the XRP platform. We like Acumatica's solution. We like a lot of others, but yeah. we like we do a lot of business with you guys because it. yeah, I I feel like when you get into a solution like yours, there is extensibility. We talked about extensibility at JD Edwards in 2000, right? This is not a new phrase. It's no, been around no. forever. Sure. But but when you look at the physical side of extensibility for software, we're talking about adding servers and um, uh, it, it storage arrays, yeah, right? right. We're, we're talking about like, you know, more racks, like physical racks to hold the the blade servers and the virtual machines, like you need to be able to scale that as you get bigger, the physical side. The virtual side also needs to scale. You have to be in an app that can grow as your right. business grows, your organization grows, right? Maybe it right. shrinks. You need to be able to shrink after your contract term. Be careful. That's another story for another time. Mm. But um, but you know, you need to be able to expand and contrast as well as from a, from a business model perspective, as your business grows, maybe shifts, 
You're a manufacturer today. Every single one of our manufacturers has some other, we used to call it mixed mode, right? Like, oh, we're just yeah. straight or make right. to order and we're, you know, we're all goods. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's like, no, we're a we're an e-com and a manufacturer. Right. We're a distributor and a service provider. Well, we're right. a field services company and we have a bunch of products that are recurring revenue. Everybody's right. got that stuff now. So sure. so the software has to expand from a functionality perspective as well. Right. And so, you know, that that is a huge benefit I think we've seen with XRP with yeah. with Acumatica, some of the others um, that, you know, the extensibility is is built into the app yep. and handles these combinations, permutations and combinations of different business models. Like I said, volume transaction and, you know, physical scalability. And that is one huge, huge benefit of cloud ERP today that we didn't have with the on-prem systems when I first started. Right. was that ability to really scale. And the vendors have done that very, very well. Again, you guys being one of them for sure and continue to. And it just, it gives me so much more um, assurance and confidence when we're recommending clients to say, look, this is what you're doing today. But when we really got to know you in the future, that one company I told you about that had like 100% growth, right? 10x growth. Um, they will go bigger. They will have bigger projects, right? And and I know with certainty that if we got them into a app from the 80s, they're dead. They're going to die and they're going to hate me. Like literally, I don't want anybody hating me. I don't want that. Yeah. Don't need- and, and, and like an ERP that isn't like, you could take your old ERP from the on-prem world and just stick it in a cloud environment and say, voila, it's cloud. Is it not, if you're architected for the cloud, you're at, at, you know, we our, our tagline is the cloud ERP. We've only ever been in the cloud, so for us, those constraints don't really exist. And and one of the one of the things that I just want to highlight about the benefit of that is what it allows. Right? It, we don't really necessarily think about scalability in the way you were just talking about because we've only ever had it this way. That's right. And and this idea of scaling up and scaling down and seeing businesses in different phases of their growth and allowing. Uh, everything we do from how we allocate resources to how we actually price the customers, being about how much resource they are consuming based on um, how their business is doing is so, so important because, you know, not every business is on a linear journey or a hockey stick up. It's, it's just not the reality of the situation. But every business does, once it reaches a certain phase, need an ERP, right? So the ERP being architected in that way to accommodate those things is really, really yeah. Um, so CJ, can you talk to us a little bit about, so, okay, a company has decided that they're going to upgrade to the cloud and yeah. they've selected Acumatica or selected uh-huh. whatever platform. Uh-huh. How um, important is the implementation partner's role in ensuring the success of a project? I mean, uh, not, not, not to put too fine a point on it, but uh, you ain't getting there without a good one. Right. <laughs> you know, and we definitely see variable, um, uh, you know, performance from implementation partners. There are some who are a services-oriented business from the old world who look at look at an ERP project as the first start to a very nice earner of billings for the next I don't know, twelve, eighteen, whatever mm-hmm. months, right? So, so one of the things about implementation partners that folks need to kind of be tidy about is not just the experience of having been a business consultant in my industry with similar customers of similar profiles on this ERP that they're going to implement, but also that mentality of, hey, this vendor 
that I'm actually uh, buying the software from thinks about life in a SaaS operating rhythm sort of way where I'm a customer who the most important thing I can do is go live, right? So I'm going to push the implementation partner to draw away as many services from the initial phase of the project as I can so I can get to go live. Those kinds of things are actually differentiating not just for us as publishers of the software, but for customers, because the value in the ERP only ever is realized once they get to go live, right? So you have to have to really push the implementation partner on that. So a nice, tidy ring fence, a well-defined project, experience in the space, all are crucial. But it's that mentality of, oh, I'm not running a services business on the back of this publisher creating a situation in this customer for me. I'm actually pushing this customer to get to go live because for the next 10 years, I'm going to continue to service them in a SaaS operating rhythm. And this notion that we talk about a lot of times, net retention, where the customer's value actually grows to that services partner on the back of them using more and more of the software and needing the partner to be the counselor and not the, the uh, other side of the riverbank and mm-hmm. kind of throwing POs and invoices across is so, 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 so important. Let me just... Yeah. I don't want to put too fine a point on it, of course. But. Yeah, 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 yeah. Juliet, what 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 CJ just said, um, again, these are like golden threads. I hope my team's at least on this call. Do we have anybody <laughs> on this call? There's people on this call. Good. Because this is really good stuff. It's extremely valuable if you're a ERP geek like me, I guess. But exactly what you said, that... that um, Man, I could drop some names. Oh, oh man, oh man, oh man. Let me just yeah. give some generalities. There are sure. vendors in the market that sell their software for very inexpensive on a per user cost, no names. Mm-hmm. And the implementations are one to five, one to 10, one to 50. The ratio of how much you spend for the software is the services cost. Right. Because that's how the service providers make money. They, sure. they make money based on their time and materials, on what they sell to their customer and deliver. Fine. There's nothing wrong with that. That's just is. Whereas other vendors compensate their partners based on the customer satisfaction with the software over time. And that's right. Acumanica. And I love that model because it's exactly what you said, CJ, that your partners are compensated and they're incented to get the customer live on the software. I mean, you don't have to listen to too many, you know, ERP advisors, podcasts, wherever you listen to them. I always wonder where people listen to them, but, but you don't have to listen to them wherever you are to hear us say, Always go live. If if you think the project's 12 months, shoot for six and go half right. the scope. Go right. live. You're going to get more than you ever got before. Go live. And so I do I do appreciate exactly what you said, that your partners are incented to get the customer on the software. Get them happy. You know, ecstatic and enthusiastic, those are great. But let's get them happy yeah. and then evolve with them over time right. and share in that benefit from the software vendor and the implementation partner with the customer's value. And, and there's an incentive there that makes sense because, you know, with some of these other clients or other vendors, I'll, again, I'll just be honest. They're like, okay, it's a million dollars. I'm like, I didn't even tell you what the scope is. It's a million dollars. But that's what you need in your business to run your business. You need to land and expand and drop two people on site for, you know, a whole year at right. 80 hour or 8,000 hours 
times 200 bucks an hour or whatever it is. Actually, that is what it is. Mm -hmm. And that's how you grew your business, uh, Miss Implementation Partner, right? Whereas other implementation partners don't because the incentive model is is different. And I would just tell everybody on the call, because I always look at Juliet. I'm like, does Juliet, does this make sense? I think it does. But I would say simply, just when you're talking to implementation partners and you're talking to software vendors, just look, because you can ask, and, and you're going to see a lot of shaking hands. Oh, you know, it doesn't matter what the words are. Just look at what's going on. Is the implementation partner involved in the sales process or not? Okay, right. that's the first thing. If they are, then what is their role long term? And you can ask them, so, hey, how are you guys compensated, right? Oh, yeah, we make a cut off the software every year that you renew. Okay, that's good to know, right? If the software vendor is not involved, that's that's okay too. But just find out who is going to do the implementation. Again, find out how everybody is incented. Always follow the money. And then you find out what's really going on. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I think, Sean, you've said in the past too, like you have to have someone to call. Someone, yep. if you need help, you have a question, you have to have someone to call, right? That's yeah, right. I, I've done my best not to do an Acumatica marketing pitch here, but there, there is one other way that you can do this with an implementation partner, which we uh, have found is very uh, useful. And that is we as a software publisher publish what is known as the customer bill of rights. So the partner who's in between us and the customer, if the customer knows to ask, hey, can you show me the software publisher's customer bill of rights so that I know no matter which implementation partner you are or aren't, I know that the software publisher is customer oriented and will make sure I get to go live because that's what they care about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's it's really true. Good. It's good. Yeah. Well, you know, we had a couple questions come in. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have a couple more minutes? Sure. Yeah. For you? Of course. Okay, perfect. Mm-hmm. All right. So the first one is how do you deal with change management? In my experience, many companies confuse an ERP implementation with a software implementation, leaving it to the IT department to make decisions from business processes to identifying KPIs. Would either of you like to dive into that one? Yeah. Yeah. I I can take that to start. Yeah. Yeah. Um, True. 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 And I would also say if that's, if you kind of know that's going to happen, maybe you don't do the ERP project because, and I just said what I just said. Um, if IT are the only ones that put time into the implementation, right. um, you're screwed. You're right. just screwed. I mean, I love my IT departments. You know, we we talk about um, it was IT Irvana, IT Urban. Uh, we have these personas of people, and we I'm thinking of all of these directors of, of IT CIOs, directors of of, of of or VPs of technology, people we've worked with, right? And and when we go in and we start talking to them, we find out that the business. The accounting department, finance department, manufacturing operations, the uh, grants management group, and the or in the nonprofit or whoever um, that they're engaged. Because um, if if the project really does just become ERP, uh, excuse me, IT ERP, then you're just it's going to fail because IT doesn't know the requirements, and it is a symptom. Again, I'm being pretty honest today of the business users that aren't willing to accept responsibility for the new system. And guess what happens when they get that new system? How do you think they're going to respond? Are they going to be like, oh my gosh, you knew all my requirements. This is the best thing ever. Thank you for changing everything I've been doing for the last 10 years. And now my life is so different. And I was already working 80 hours 
And now I have to work, you know, a hundred more to learn it. Or are they going to say, ah, oh, this is terrible. And I told you I didn't want to blah, blah, blah. And it doesn't matter how good the implementation is or the software, you can have the best solution in the world. But if that's the attitude on the user side, screwed. What yeah. do you think? I, I mean, if, if that's the situation, I only have three words, duck and cover. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> ERP is for business users. ERP and the benefits of the cloud uh, and the way that ERP has permeated the enterprise, every user should be consulted because every user is going to be touching it because that's how much more accessible it is than the previous iterations that have been in the market for the past yep. 30 years. So in the end, if, if IT is trying to run this as a project like rolling out a new Outlook uh, mail server, like Duck and Cover. Yeah. Yeah. And for the for the person that asked that, I don't know your background or what side of the house, business or IT or whatever you're in, or even maybe you're on the implementation partner or software vendor. I would just say you have the responsibility since you asked this question, because you have the knowledge that this can happen. Mm -hmm. So what are you going to do about it the next time you're in a circumstance, whether it's with your client or your own organization or your IT department? You have to be willing to step up and say, guys, I don't think this is right. And and that's when things change, right? I mean, in any part of life, I don't care if it's DEI, I don't care if it's the environment, I don't care what it is. Things change when people say, this is wrong, and here's what we're going to do to handle it. It really does take leaders. I think that's been a theme we've talked about a lot here, CJ, that we both feel like, you know, so don't, don't just ask the question. Like do something about it. And if you and if you know and you ask the question and you see that this train wreck is about to happen, I can tell you what we do. We stop working with the client. We say, we're out. We're done. We're not doing this. You guys aren't going to do it's not going to be successful. I'm telling you that right now. And we're done. And we've had to do that a couple of times. And I hate it. And I it doesn't feel good to do that, to leave somebody in a tough position. Mm-hmm. But I would rather leave and make the point known you're going to fail, then continue to get fees and tie my people up and, you know, destroy our, our, our whole morale. I mean, I did that at the yeah. big four <laughs> right, right. and I'm not doing that ever again. Right. And so I really do think there's responsibility. We all know these lessons learned in ERP now, 10 years ago, we didn't, but now we do know, and we can do something about it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so we had another question that came in and it says, can it be possible that a company migrating to a cloud solution at some moment decides by fear or uncertainty to keep vital processes running under legacy ERP as it is, and it ends up staying this way? For example, processes that can't stop due to being critical 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think... Um, in cases that that can happen, of course, right? There are businesses that operate by fear, uh, mm-hmm. and and you know they they look at it and they say, you know, this is mission critical. We can't possibly come offline to to, to do the switchover. Um, the question is, does the new solution does it have the capability to? Um, I don't want to call it accommodate, but at least live with that sort of an arrangement. Um, many of the legacy systems, frankly, just don't don't even can't even accommodate it. Whereas when you have an extensible platform, you can, with the right level of solution architecture, maybe come to a solution. Not not recommended, of course, right? But uh, that is something that is possible as a transitional phase, right? Where you, you end up thinking of it almost like a, a another ISV solution that attaches to your platform that you allow to run with a certain set 
of requirements that match up to what, let's face it, an iPass would specify for that particular piece of functionality, right? Mm -hmm. So that is in an extremely rare case, of course, possible. Uh, again, not recommended. Uh, always the more modern way of doing things is probably the better because it'll get better over time. Whereas if that thing is locked in place as the more modern thing comes in, it's probably going to stay locked there for a long time, right? Yeah. And the question is, are you capturing the benefits you set out to capture by doing it that way, really? Mm, not sure. Yeah, you know, we had a we had an Acumatica client that uh, we'll just say was in the rodeos. And uh, there are there are actually some out of the box rodeo applications, rodeo management solutions, believe it or not. But uh, what one of the benefits when you're saying, hey, we are in this, we're going to go financials and Acumatica, but we have all the rest of the stuff in the business and we want to find solutions that meet that. We said, no, you don't. You want to build that in Acumatica because the platform, the cloud, the extensibility, because the security, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now the functionality is something, I don't know, maybe you guys are investing in micro verticals like Rodeo, maybe not. Um, <laughs> there are others, there are others. <laughs> there are, and, and there's, there's partners out there that have you know maybe dealt with oh. other kinds of major events or Absolutely. contests and that. So we were looking for those partners then that could bring it close to what then you know the the rodeo group could add their specifics so so it is it is true that um we had other clients too where their legacy processes are so custom and it runs the entire business that again it's like you're kind of screwed like you can't get off this you unless you're willing to rewrite the entire thing in a new solution meaning for them, you needed a couple million bucks. You needed at least two years to really do it right. And you needed some staff you could put on it. And they said, oh, well, we're eight or nine years into our private equity relationship. And I'm like, okay, stop, because yeah. there's going to be a liquidity event. And you, know, <laughs> you need somebody bigger who has a bigger vision for the organization to, to upgrade that platform, right? Sure. So, yeah, good, good question. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. I think we're sure. probably coming to the end of our time, but um, CJ, so happy to have you as our guest today. Thanks so much for joining us. It's been a delight to join. And I'm happy oh to be gosh. back anytime you'll have me. Absolutely. We certainly will. And um, to both of you for sharing your knowledge and your expertise always. So thanks for that. I appreciate it. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you everyone for joining us for today's webinar. Please let us know if you have any questions. We're happy to help in any way um, we can. You can reach out to me, um, Sean, CJ, and we're happy to answer any questions you might have. Be sure to join us for our next collaboration webinar scheduled for Thursday, April 13th, Driving Strategic Growth, How Public cloud empowers your business for the future, when our discussion will be aimed at helping empower businesses to take charge of their strategic growth with an effective public cloud ERP deployment. Please go to our website, erpadvisorsgroup.com for more details and to register. ERP Advisors Group is one of the country's top independent enterprise software advisory firms. ERP Advisors Group advises mid to large size businesses on selecting and implementing business applications from enterprise resource planning, customer relationship management, human capital management, business intelligence, and other enterprise applications, which equates to millions of dollars in software deals each year across many industries. This has been the ERP Advisor. Thank you again for joining us. Mm -hmm.